You're listening to a Powetcast, an audio netcast from Powet TV. P O W E T dot TV. Chell it. Welcome back. We're here this week with an all new episode, the just completed Fit the Fifth of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy primary phase. If you're new to the netcast, boy oh boy have you missed out. But we won't hold it against you. All five previous episodes of this netcast are available through iTunes, Powet.tv, That'sOrange.com, wherever else you found this feed. Go take a listen, then come back here to continue the adventure. Also, if you missed the review of Fit the Fourth, we covered that at the top of episode five of the netcast. While I was producing the first episodes of this netcast, Keith and Collett actually began completing work on the last two fits, so some of your production memories are really recent. Uh, let me set the stage here. This guy comes to you eight years after you do this project and says, Hey, I've listened to our old material. I think it's really good. Let's make a netcast. Keith comes in stage left. And Colin demands to know what the hell happened to your voice. <laughs> I, I Who are you? As I remembered things, we had recorded some of both Fit the Fifth and Fit the Sixth, but there were substantial parts missing. And uh, so when I actually started looking at the raw, unedited wave files, I discovered that pretty much everything was there except Fit the Fifth was missing oh, yeah. Max okay. Quartalplein. Uh, the character of Max Quartalplein, who we had originally planned to have Keith read, so that was no big deal. And Fit the Sixth was missing Trillion, and I just recently, within the last year, got back into contact with Alice Ecker, so it was no big deal to track her down and have her record her lines the other day. I just think that's very improbable that when we start working on this netcast, all these events fall into place where all of the missing voice actors suddenly converge in the same city. Uh, th- this is like reverse temporal engineering going on here, I'm pretty sure. Anyone seen uh, an well, interdimensional talking bird by well, chance? Well, Sean, if you've done six impossible things today. <laughs> Fit the Sixth was also missing all of the narrations and uh, quite a bit of the script because Tom had done... Um, Tom's script had deviated very heavily from the original radio scripts, and uh, he had he had written a lot of abbreviations into the script where he planned on copying things out of the books, and uh, never actually got around to doing that. The original ending for Fit the Six was originally this complicated kind of uh, muddled story about uh, shapeshifting aliens that didn't really work that well even for a radio show where you're trying to explain something visual. I liked the book version really a lot. <laughs> and uh, So I took the extra time and I uh, started working on a scripted version of the passage from the book about uh, Hot Black Desiato and the black ship that crashes into the sun. And it, was, uh, it required a, a fairly extensive editing, but uh, I think it was worth it. And on top of that, um, for those familiar with the overall story, this is where the radio show makes a big deviation and jumps right to the restaurant, as opposed to uh, in the in the books where um, several several different things like the Zarnamoop sequence and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy offices um, occur, which actually wasn't written until the secondary phase. Um, and so events were rearranged there. So for those of you who are curious as to why they jump right to the restaurant. So, and then, then uh, of course, on top of that, we added the hot black desiato sequences yeah because well naturally if we add it to six we have to add it to five too otherwise it wouldn't make any sense when it pops up in six yeah so so as, as a result this fits a bit longer uh than than the previous one so we're just going to jump right into it we'll get into the full ramifications of the hot black changes in the next episode for now let's listen to one of my favorite fits of any phase 
As always, be sure to check out the show notes at Power TV, especially last week's episode where we linked to the 20th anniversary edition of Infocom's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy game, as well as some information about the BBC radio show. Enjoy. Us presents The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Fit the Fifth. Sent to find the ultimate question to life, the universe, and everything, Arthur Dent and his companions have been cornered by two humane cops who, nevertheless, have left them in a certain death situation. Starring Caleb Gesslin and Sean Corse as Zaphod Bibelbrox, Alice Acker as Trillian, Keith Everson as Max Quarterplein, Thomas Martinson as Ford Prefect, Lindsay Plank as The Dish of the Day, Robert Randall as Pop Black's Bodyguard, Michael Babbler as Zarquan the Prophet, Craig Weber as Arthur Dent in Hot Black Desiato, Josh Talbot as Garkbet the Waiter, and Colin Ganyu as The Book and Marvin. The story so far. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. Many races believe that it was created by some sort of god, though the Jetrevalted people of Viltvodal VI firmly believe that the entire universe was in fact sneezed out of the nose of a being called the Great Green Arkle Seizure. The Jetrevalteds, who live in perpetual fear of the time they call the coming of the Great White Handkerchief, are small blue creatures with more than 50 arms each, who are therefore unique in being the only race in history to have invented the aerosol deodorant before the wheel. However, the Great Green Arkle Seizure Theory is not widely accepted outside of Viltvogel VI, and so one day a race of hyper-intelligent, pan-dimensional beings built themselves a gigantic supercomputer called Deep Thought to calculate, once and for all, the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. For seven and a half million years, Deep Thought computed and calculated and eventually announced that the answer was in fact 42. 42. And so another even bigger computer had to be built to find out what the actual question was. And this computer, which was called the Earth, was so large that it was frequently mistaken for a planet, particularly by the strange, ape-like beings who roamed its surface, totally unaware that they were simply part of a gigantic computer program. Arg. And this is very odd, because without that fairly simple and obvious piece of knowledge, nothing that ever happened on Earth could possibly make the slightest bit of sense. However, at the critical moment of readout, the Earth was unexpectedly demolished to make way for a new hyperspace bypass, and the only hope of finding the ultimate question now lies buried deep in the minds of Arthur Dent and Trillian, the only native Earth people to have survived the demolition. Unfortunately, they and their strange companions from Beetlejuice are at the moment being shot at behind a computer bank on the lost planet of Magrathea. This is what the computer bank is going to do, and the time at which it is about to do it is 20 seconds from now. The computer bank is absorbing a hell of a lot of energy. I think it's about to blow. It's a shame we never managed to get the work done revising that book. I thought it looked rather promising. Yeah. Oh boy. The Checkers Guide to the Galaxy. Look, I hate to say this, but this thing is really gonna blow up. Good evening, gentlemen. Madam, do you have a reservation? A reservation? Yes, sir. So you need a reservation for the afterlife? 
the afterlife, sir? This is the afterlife? Well, I assume so. I mean, there's no way we could have survived that blast, is there? No. None at all. I was dead. I certainly didn't survive. I was told to go now. Bam, bang, and that was it. We didn't stand a chance. We must have blown to bits. Arms, legs, everywhere. <clears throat> if you would care to order drinks... Pow, splash! Listen to here, Zork, so I can put up molecules! Hey, did you get that thing with your whole life flashing before you? Yeah, you got that too, did you? Yeah, let's assume it was mine. I spent a whole lot of time out of my skulls, you know? So... So what? Here we are. Lying dead. Standing. Standing dead in this, uh, desolate restaurant. Standing dead in this desolate five-star five star restaurant. Odd, isn't it? Yeah. Nice chandeliers, though. It's not so much of an afterlife, more sort of an FPV. Hey, hang about. We're missing something important here. Something really important that somebody just said. What was it? Earthman? I said it was more sort of an afterlife. Yeah, and that you wish you hadn't. Fool. I said it was odd. Yeah, it's true, but dull. That leaves a little weird, fellow. Me, sir? Yeah, speak to me. I just said, if you'd care to order drinks... DRINKS! That was it. See what you miss if you don't stay alert. And the universe will explode later for your pleasure. Explode? Wow, what sort of drinks do you serve here? Ah, <laughs> uh, I think sir has perhaps misunderstood me. I hope not. It is not unusual for our customers to be a little disoriented by the time journey, so if I might suggest... Time, time journey? What time journey? You mean this isn't the afterlife? Afterlife, sir? <laughs> no, sir. A and we're not dead. <laughs> uh, no, sir. Sir is most evidently alive. Otherwise, I would not attempt to serve, sir. Then where the photon are we? Hey, I've sourced it. This must be Milliways. Milliways! Yes, this is Milliways, the restaurant at the end of the universe. End of what? The universe. When did that end? In just a few minutes, sir. Now, if you would care to order drinks, I'll show you to your table. The restaurant at the end of the universe is one of the most extraordinary ventures in the entire history of catering. A vast time bubble has been projected into the future to the precise moment of the end of the universe. This is, of course, impossible. In it, guests take their place at a table and eat sumptuous meals, whilst watching the whole of creation explode about them. This is, of course, impossible. You can arrive for any sitting you like without prior reservation because you can book retrospectively, as it were, when you return to your own time. This is, of course, impossible. Go! At the restaurant, you can meet and dine with a fascinating cross-section of the entire population of space and time. This is, of course, impossible. Go! You can visit it as many times as you like and be sure of never meeting yourself because of the embarrassment this usually causes. This is, of course, impossible. Go! All you have to do is deposit one penny in a savings account in your own era. And when you arrive at the end of time, the operation of compound interest means that the fabulous cost of your meal has been paid for. This is, of course, impossible. No! Which is why the advertising executives of the star system of Bastablon came up with this slogan. If you've done six impossible things this morning, no! 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 why not round it off with breakfast at Milliways, the restaurant at the end of the universe? Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the restaurant at the end of the universe. I will be your host for tonight, Max Quartalpley. And I've just come from the very other end of time where I've been hosting a show at the Big Bang Burger Chef, where we had a real way hey hey of an evening, ladies and gentlemen, if you know what I mean. And I will be with you right through this tremendous historic occasion, the end of history.
itself. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Please take your places at the table. The candles are lit, the band is playing. And as the four-shielded dome above us fades into transparency, revealing a dark and sullen sky hung heavy with the ancient light of livid, swollen stars. Friends, I can see we're in for a fabulous evening's apocalypse. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. Wow, Zaha. Incredible. The, the people, the things. The things are also people. The people, the other people. The lights. The tables. The clothes. The end of the universe is very popular. People like to dress up. Gives it a sense of occasion. Hey, everybody's here. Everybody who was, anybody? Was? At the end of the universe, you have to use the past tense a lot, because everything's been done. Hi, guys, how'd it go? Is that Zaha Beale Brax? I think so. Well, doesn't that just take the biscuit? Funny old thing, life. It's what you make of it. Hey, there's an old mate of mine, Zephod. See? How black does Yado? The platinum table in the platinum suit? Hey, yeah. yeah. That guy ever make it big? Bigger than the biggest thing ever! Except for me, of course. Who's he supposed to be? What black does Yado? You don't know? You've never heard of the Zaster area? No. The biggest, the loudest, richest rock band in the history of, of history. history itself? No. Zowie, here we are at the end of the universe and you haven't even lived yet. The gym is out. I'm going over there. Waiter, could you get me volume three of the wine list? Hey, uh, Hot Black, how are you doing? Great to see you, big boy. How's the noise? You're looking great. Really very, very fat and unwell. Amazing. Remember the old days? We used to hang out, right? That beast true legal, remember? Slim Thoughts Emporium? The evil drone Boozerama? Great days, eh? And when we were hungry, we posed as public health inspectors. You remember that? And go wrong confiscating meals and drinks, right? <laughs> Till we got food poisoning. Oh, and then there were the long nights of talking and drinking in those smelly rooms above the Cafe Lou in Gretchen Town, New Battle. And you were always in the next room trying to write songs in Age of Time. We all hated them. And you said, you said you didn't care. And we said we did because we hated them so much. <laughs> And you said you didn't want to be a star because you despise the star system. And we said that we didn't think you had the option. And what do you do now? You buy star systems. Here is a man who buys star systems. What's that number you do? The really big one, the really huge number. How does it go? Bam, bam, something. And in the stage act, you ended up with this ship crashing right into the sun. And you actually do it. Ship, sun, wham, bang! I mean, forget lasers and stuff. You guys are into solar flares and real sun, but... Oh, and terrible songs. Hey, you want something to drink? Not black. Gabe. Uh, yeah? But yeah. Oh, yeah, and who are you? I'm the guy who's telling you to beat it before you get it beaten for you. Now listen, I am one of Hot Black's oldest friends and- And I am Mr. Desiato's bodyguard. And I am responsible for his body. And I'm not responsible for yours, so take it away before it gets damaged. Now, wait a minute. No minutes, no waiting. Mr. Desiato speaks to no one. Well, perhaps you'd let him say what he thinks about the matter himself. He speaks to no one. Why? 
what's the matter with him? The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy notes that disaster area, a plutonium rock band from the Gagrakaka Mind Zones, are generally held to be not only the loudest rock band in the galaxy, but in fact the loudest noise of any kind at all. Regular concertgoers judge that the best sound balance is usually to be heard from within large concrete bunkers some 37 miles from the stage, while the musicians themselves play their instruments by remote control from within a heavily insulated spaceship which stays in orbit around the planet, or, more frequently, around a completely different planet. Their songs are on the whole very simple, and mostly follow the familiar theme of boy being meets girl being beneath a silvery moon which then explodes for no adequately explored reason. Many worlds have now banned their act altogether, sometimes for artistic reasons, but most commonly because the band's public address system contravenes local strategic arms limitations treaties. This has not, however, stopped their earnings from pushing back the boundaries of pure hypermathematics, and their chief research accountant has recently been appointed Professor of Neomathematics at the University of Maximegalon, in recognition of both his general and his special theories of disaster area tax returns, in which he proves that the whole fabric of the space-time continuum is not merely curved, it is in fact totally bent. Gotta drink more. So forth, did you speak to the big noise boy? Hoplak, yeah. I sort of spoke to him. What did he say? Not a lot, really. Uh, he's... Yeah. He's spending a year dead for tax purposes. I need a drink. I've got to sit down. Would you like to see the menu, or would you prefer to meet the dish of the day? Huh? Yeah. Let's meet the meats. Hello, I'm the dish of the day. May I interest you in part of my body? Something up the shoulder, perhaps, in a white wine sauce? Uh, your shoulder. But naturally, my shoulder. Nobody else's is mine to offer. Or perhaps my rump would be good. I've been exercising it and eating plenty of grains. There's a lot of good meat there. Or a casserole of me, perhaps? You mean this thing expects us to eat it? Me? I didn't mean anything. That's absolutely horrible! That's the most revolting thing I've ever heard! What's the problem, Earthman? I just don't want to eat an animal that's just standing there and inviting me to? It's, it's heartless! Better than eating an animal that doesn't want to be eaten. That's not the point! Well, right, maybe it is the point. I don't care, I'll just have a, a salad. May I urge you to consider my liver? It's very rich and tender. I've been force-feeding myself for weeks. A salad, please. A salad? Are you telling me I should never salad? Well, I know many vegetables who are very clear on the subject, which is why they decided to end the problem by breeding animals who want to be eaten, and here I am. I'll have water. Look, we're not here to make a meal of the issues. Just give us four rare steaks, please. And quickly, we haven't eaten in 576,000 million years. A wise choice, sir. I'll just nip up and shoot myself. Don't worry, sir. I'll be very humane. I think I'm going to be sick. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to give a nice, warm welcome to Mr. Reg Nullify and his cataclysmic combo! Take it away, Reg! Your arms, your legs, your head, your everything to me. I mean totality. How you doing? Your glistening scales of green. I don't know where they've been. 
might have slept with the bug bladder beast of trawl, but I don't care. But look, Shirley, if the universe is about to end here and now, don't we go with it? No, look, as soon as you come into this dive, I think you get held in this sort of amazing force-shielded temple wall thing. Look, I'll show you. Now imagine this napkin as the temporal universe. Right, in this spoon is a transductional mode in the matter curve. That's the spoon I was eating with. Oh, right, I imagine this spoon as the transductional mode in the matter curve. Oh, no, 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 matter still, this fork. Should I go my fork, please? Why don't we say this wine glass is the temporal universe? So if I... Uh, forget that. I mean, do you know how the universe began for a kickoff? Um, probably not. Alright, imagine this. You get a large, round bath made of ebony. Where from? Herod's was destroyed by the Vogons. It doesn't matter. So you keep saying... Now listen! Now just imagine you've got this large ebony bath, okay? And it's conical. Conical? Shh, it's conical. So what you do is you fill it with fine white sand, right? Fine white powder, anything like that. When it's full, you pull the plug and it just twirls down out of the plug hole. Why? But the thing is, the clever bit is, when you, you film it happening, you get a movie camera from somewhere and actually film it. But then, then, then you thread the film in the projector backwards. Backwards? Yeah, neat, you see. So what happens is you sit and you watch it and then everything appears to spiral upwards out of the plug hole and fill the bath. See? And that's how the universe began? No. But it's a marvelous way to relax. Funny man. Broke the ice, didn't it? And as photon storms gather in swirling clouds around us, preparing to tear apart the last of the red hot, hot suns, I hope you all settle back and enjoy with me what I'm sure we will find to be an immensely exciting and terminal experience. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing penultimate about this one, you know what I mean? This, ladies and gentlemen, is the proverbial it! After this, there is void. Absolute nothing. Except, of course, for the sweet trolley and our fine selection of Aldebaran liqueurs. And now, at the risk of putting a damper on the wonderful sense of doom and futility here, I'd like to welcome a few parties. Let's see. Do we have a party from the Zanzo Quasur Flamarian Bridge Club? From beyond the Vort Void of Quarn? Are they here? Yes, there they are. They're waving their Quarn streamers. And a party of minor deities from the halls of Asgard? (laughs) Ouch, that hurt. Careful with that hammer, sir. Okay, how about a party of young conservatives from Sirius B? (laughs) Ah, yes. And lastly, a party of devout believers from the Church of the Second Coming of the Great Prophet Zarquan? Well, fellas, let's hope he's hurrying because he's only got eight minutes left. But seriously, though, no offense, men, because I know we shouldn't make fun of deeply held beliefs. So I think, I think a big hand, please, for the great prophet Zarquan, wherever he's got to. And, you know, I just want to say how marvelous it is to see how many of you come here time and time again to witness this final end of all being, and then still manage to return home to your own eras and raise families, strive for new and better societies, fight terrible wars for what you believe to be right. Because, you know, it really makes one think about the absolutely marvelous future of all life kind. Except, of course, we know it hasn't got one. Uh, 
Excuse me, sir. Who, me? Mr. Zayford Beeblebrock. Uh, probably. There's a phone call for you. Hey. What? Here. But who knows where I am? Zayford, perhaps it's the police. Could they have traced us here? You mean they want to arrest me over the phone? Could be. I'm a pretty dangerous dude, I'm cornered. Yeah, you go to pieces so fast people get hit by the shrapnel. Hey, what is this, Judgment Day? Do we get to see that as well? Fantastic. Well, we're no hurry. So who's the cat on the phone? I am not personally acquainted with the metal gentleman in question, sir. Metal? But I am informed that he has been awaiting your return for a considerable number of millennia. It seems you left here, sir, somewhat precipitously. Hey, we've only just arrived. Indeed, sir, but before you arrived here, sir, you left here. You're saying that before we arrived here... We left here. That is what I said, sir. Put your analyst on danger money, baby, now. What? No, wait a minute. Where exactly is here? The planet Magrathea, sir. But we just left there. This is the restaurant in the universe, I thought. Precisely, sir. The one was constructed on the ruins of the other. So you mean we've travelled in time, but not in space? Listen, you semi old simian. Go climb a tree, won't you? You'll go bang your heads together, four eyes. No, no. Your monkey has got it right, sir. Who are you calling a monkey? You jumped forwards in time many millions of years while retaining the same position in space. Your friend has been waiting in the meantime. Well, what's he been doing all this time? Rusting a little, sir. Marvin. It must be Marvin. The paranoid android. Space cookies! Hand me the rap rod plate, Captain. Pardon, sir? The phone, waiter. She you guys are so inhibits, I wonder your bums don't fall off. Off what, sir? The phone, sir. Marvin, hi, how you doing, kid? I think you ought to know that I'm feeling very depressed. Hey, yeah, we're having a great time. Food, wine, but the personal abuse, and the universe going boom. Where can we find you? You don't have to pretend to be interested in me, you know. I know perfectly well that I'm only a menial robot. Okay, okay. But where are you? Yeah, yeah. But I'm quite used to being humiliated. I can even go and stick my head in a bucket of water if you'd like. Yeah, uh, Marvin, stupid. Would you like me to go and stick my head in a bucket of water? I've got them ready. Wait just a moment. What's he saying, Zephyr? Oh, nothing. He just phoned to wash his head at us. Has that satisfied you? Will, Will you, you please, please tell us where you are? I'm in the car park. In the car park? What are you doing there? Parking cars. What else does one do in the car park? Well, yeah. Okay, stay there. Come on, guys. Let's go. Marvin's known in the car park. The car park? What's he doing in the car park? Parking cars. What else? Dum dum. Four trillion. Let's move. What about my Pierce Galambert? There he is! Marvin! Marvin! Hey, kid. Are we pleased to see you? No, you're not. No one ever is. Sit yourself. No, no, really, Marvin. We are. Quite. Hanging around waiting for us all this time. The first ten million years, they were the worst. The second ten million, they were the worst too. The third ten million, I didn't enjoy at all. After that, I went into a bit of a decline. Hey, Zephod, come over and have a look at some of these little star trolleys. Look at this baby, Zephod. The tangerine star buggy with the black sunbusters. 
Hey, hey, get this number. What's that cluster quark drive and post like running boards? This has got to be a Lazlan Lyricon custom job. Look at the infrapink lizard emblem on the neutrino of Kowleen. Hey, yeah, I was passed by one of these mothers once out near the Exxon Nebula. I was going flat out and this thing just strolled past me. Star Drive hardly taken over. Just incredible. Oh, too, too much. much. Of course, all ten seconds later, it smashed straight into the third moon of Jagalon Beta. Hey, oh, but great looking ship, though. Looks like a fish. Moves like a fish. Steers like a cow. Who oh, get it. Oh, cow. No, wait a minute. That one there. Oh, hey, hey. Now that's really bad for the eyes. It's so black. You can hardly even make it out of shape. Light just falls into it. feel this surface. Yeah. Hey, you can't. See, it's just totally frictionless. This must be one mother of a mover. I bet even the cigar light is on photon drive. Well... What do you reckon, Ford? What? You mean stroll off of it? Do you think we should? No. No. Nor do I. Let's do it. Okay. We better shift soon. In a few seconds, the universe will end, and all the Captain Creeps will be pouring out here to find their Burge mobiles. <laughs> Burge mobiles. Is it fun? Yeah. How do we get into it? Just don't spoil a beautiful idea, will you, Ford? Perhaps the robot can figure something out. Yeah. Hey, Marvin. Come over. We've got a job for you. I won't enjoy it. Yes, you will! There's a whole new vice stretching out ahead of you. Oh, not another one. Will you shut up, little pie hole, and listen? This time there's going to be excitement, and adventure, and really wild things! Sounds awful. Marvin! All I'm trying to say... I suppose you want me to open this spaceship for you. Marvin, just listen, will you? What? I suppose you want me to open this spaceship for you. Uh, yeah. Well, I wish you'd just tell me rather than trying to engage my enthusiasm, because you know I haven't got one. Hey, how'd you do that, Marvin? Didn't I tell you I've got a brain the size of a planet? No one ever listens to me, of course. Oh, shut up, Marvin. You see what I mean? Hey, Zephod, look at this. Look at the interior of the ship. It's black. Hey. What? Everything in it is just totally black. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for. The skies begin to boil, nature collapses into the screaming void. In five seconds' time, the universe itself will be at an end. See where the light of infinity bursts in upon us! Oh, I don't believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, a big hand for the great prophet Zarquan. Uh, oh, hello everybody. Uh, sorry I'm a bit late. I had a terrible time. All sorts of things cropping up at the last moment. Uh, how are we for time? And so the universe ended. One of the major selling points of that wholly remarkable book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, apart from its relative cheapness, and the fact that it has the words Don't Panic written in large, friendly letters on the cover, is its compendious and occasionally accurate glossary. For instance, the statistics relating to the geosocial nature of the universe are deftly set out between pages 576,324 and 576,326. The simplistic style is partly explained by the fact that the editors, having to meet a publishing deadline, copied the information off the back of a packet of breakfast cereal, 
hastily embroidering it with a few footnotes in order to avoid prosecution under the incomprehensible tortuous galactic copyright laws. It is interesting to note that a later and wilier editor sent the book backwards in time through a temporal warp and then successfully sued the breakfast cereal company for infringement of the same laws. Here's a sample in both headings and footnotes. The Universe. Some information to help you live in it. 1. Area. Infinite. As far as anyone can make out. 2. Imports. None. It is impossible to import things into an infinite area, there being no outside to import things from. 3. Exports. None. See imports. 4. Rainfall. None. Rain cannot fall because in an infinite space there is no up for it to fall down from. 5. Population. None. It is known that there are an infinite number of worlds, but that not every one of them is inhabited. Therefore, there must be a finite number of inhabited worlds. Any finite number divided by infinity is so near to nothing as makes no odds, so if every planet in the universe has a population of zero, then the entire population of the universe must also be zero, and any people you may actually meet from time to time are merely the products of a deranged imagination. 6. Monetary Units. None. In fact, there are three freely convertible currencies in the universe, but the Alterian dollar has recently collapsed, the Flanian Pobble Bead is only exchangeable for other Flanian Pobble Beads, and the Triganic Pew doesn't really count as money. Its exchange rate of six Ningis to one Pew is simple, but since a Ningi is a triangular rubber coin 6,800 miles along each side, no one has ever collected enough to own one Pew. Ningis are not negotiable currency because the Galactobanks refuse to deal in fiddling small change. From this basic premise, it is also very simple to prove that the Galactobanks are also the products of a deranged imagination. 7. Sex. None. Well, actually, there is an awful lot of this, largely because of the total lack of money, trade, banks, rainfall, or anything else that might keep all of the non-existent people in the universe occupied. However, it is not worth embarking on a long discussion of it now, because it really is terribly complicated. For further information, see chapters 7, 9, 10, 11, 14, 16, 17, 19, 21 to 84 inclusive, and in fact most of the rest of this wholly invaluable book. It is largely on account of passages like this that the book of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is being revised by Ford Prefect and Arthur Dent. Unfortunately, they are being presented with too many distractions to be able to settle down and do any solid research. Not only does Arthur Dent still have to find the question to the ultimate answer of life, the universe, and everything, but the newly stolen spaceship is currently behaving rather like this. Will our heroes be able to take control of the new ship, or will it lead them to a fiery and spectacular death? Will they eventually have to settle down and lead normal lives as account executives or management consultants? Will life ever be the same again after next week's reasonably exciting installment of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? If you would like a copy of the Book of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, please write to Megadodo Publications, Megadodo House, Ursa Minor, enclosing three pounds and ninety-five pence for the book, plus five hundred and ninety-seven billion eight hundred and twelve thousand four hundred and six pounds and seven pence for postage and packing. That's all we have for this week. Fit the Fifth, produced by Not Them Productions, Colin Gunny, director Thomas Martinson, script supervisor Thomas Martinson, sound engineer Keith Everson, sound editor Colin Gunny, and final mix by Colin Gunny. This netcast produced and edited for Power TV by Sean Orange. Bandwidth and production assistance for this episode provided by That's Orange.com. Come back next week for episode 7 and Fit the Sixth.
While next week is the final episode of the primary phase of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it is not the final episode of this netcast. You're stuck with us for a little while longer, especially as Keith points out. And for those of you that are fans of the movie, I'm sorry, you're really lost now. Until next time.